Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Secret Wins podcast, where we talk about beauty, fitness, food, and everything related to health and wellness, including mind, body, and spirit. Today, I am taking a minute to talk about something that I don't talk about a lot on purpose, and that is drumroll. I don't know if you can hear that drumroll or not. Being vegan. Well, that's out there. I am vegan. I've been vegan for, let's see, since 2009, 2010, so 12 years now. In the interest of full disclosure, I want to say right off the bat that I am what they call dirty vegan in the sort of vegan community. This is a term many people have difficulty distinguishing the difference between vegan and vegetarian. And here's the difference. Vegetarian is no meat. Vegan is no animal products at all whatsoever. That includes dairy. The term dirty vegan refers to someone who is vegan most of the time, but will occasionally make an exception with eggs or dairy. I prepare all of my food at home completely vegan. The recipes I post here on Secret Wins, and if you want to take a look at those, by the way, you can actually find them at secretwins.com backslash categories backslash food. The recipes that I post here are 100% vegan. However, if I go out to eat and there's butter in something, I'm not going to throw a hissy fit because... Well, you just can't always do that. So (laughs) I've had people say to me, I'm vegetarian too. I don't eat any red meat, but I still eat chicken and fish. (laughs) And at the risk of sounding condescending, people, please stop saying this. Look up vegetarian in the dictionary because I'm pretty sure chicken and fish are still meat. Like that's not even a gray area. (laughs) The term pescatarian actually refers to someone who does not eat other meats, but still eats fish. So there's your biology 101 lesson for the day. Anyway, I digress. Let me also state that if I find myself on a farm where I see the farmer gently collecting milk and I see the chickens roaming free and sitting on their nest, I have absolutely zero problem with consuming the eggs and milk that comes from this. My family has a small farm and where we have chickens and we have a large garden. Those eggs just taste better. They taste so much better than store-bought eggs. They're fresh, completely organic. But most of you probably at least slightly know that that's not what happens before these things hit the shelf at your local grocery store. The reasons for my lifestyle choices are many and Perhaps that's a post for another day. I'll touch on it briefly. Think about Native American indigenous cultures. In those cultures, the meat is sacred. So they don't just kill a deer so that they can stuff it and mount the head as some kind of prize. It's not a game. So people talk about hunting like it's a game. They call it a sport. And as far as I know... Most sports require both parties to know that they're playing. (laughs) Pretty sure the animals don't sign up to be hunted and killed unarmed. You know, we can get into like the whole, like, um, the Bible gave us, you know, the God gave us animals so that we could eat them. By the way, the Bible doesn't actually say that. The Bible actually tells us that we are supposed to take care of animals 
And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. That is the exact scripture of the Bible. Okay. So before we get into the whole, um, God gave us animals so that we could play with them and torture them and kill them and eat them and shove them with all this stuff. And that's okay. Let's just not get into that. All right. So most people who study the Bible have concluded that the first humans on earth, they were vegetarian. Humans did not start consuming meat until after the great flood, which was after God had pretty much given up on humanity. Coming from a family where if you can't go out back and shoot it or chop its head off yourself, it ain't food. Let's just say I've grown accustomed to not always being understood. I am, however, grateful and extremely blessed that my family tries so hard to accommodate and accept my personal choices. Something about being a very small child who loves animals and feels the divine connection between the earth and the animals and the plants and us and everything that is ultimately connected by the same overarching attractor field, you walk outside and you see Bambi upside down, strung out, you know, slit, clean. It's just, it's, it's tormenting. I've actually had to clean, you know, kill and clean turkeys for Thanksgiving dinner. I've had to chop heads off of chickens and turkeys and I actually believe that if most people had to do that, if they actually had to kill and clean their own food, they wouldn't want to eat it. Most people prefer to turn a blind eye. They see something on the grocery store shelf and they don't actually connect that that was a living, breathing, conscious, feeling being that is connected to us. If you are someone who does have a respect for animals and you choose to go and hunt and everything, I mean, that is your choice. I don't have anything against anyone who does that. Uh, like I said, I come from a hunting family. Um, I've ab absolutely been hunting. I actually, the only time I've ever shot anything, I shot a bird one time <laughs> with a BB gun. And I felt so bad. I literally, I saw the bird like just fall and I never shot anything ever again. Also, one time I was driving and I hit a squirrel. Oh my God. I hit a squirrel. I saw it come from underneath my wheel and I saw its face and I literally cried the entire rest of the commute. I was on my way to work. I couldn't get that out of my head for like two days. So yeah, if you want to understand why, why I have the lifestyle choices that I do, that, that might be an assisting factor to help you to understand. But like I said, I've grown accustomed to not being understood. I don't have a problem with, um, you know, other people's lifestyle choices. And for the most part, I wish I could say that people don't have a problem with mine, but the truth is most people judge you when you say you're vegan. So that's why I don't talk about it so much. Anyway, uh, I went off on a tangent. Let's get back to the topic. In 2015, I moved to Atlanta for work and the South is kind of different. Um, 
when you're in Atlanta, there's a lot of like vegan restaurants that you can go to that specifically cater to, you know, having only vegan things on their menu. But most places that you go to are like steakhouses, fish houses, the Southern style restaurants don't really understand the whole like no meat thing. So I can't tell you how many times I've been sick all night because someone said there was no animal products in something when they clearly didn't know, or I've requested something with no meat and it comes back with bacon in it. Like what? <laughs> I try to keep my personal food preferences to myself. And of course, y'all, when I'm sharing recipes, I also have learned to eat at home for the most part. I meal prep. So I actually meal prep two weeks of vegetables. I just chop them up and freeze them. And um, that'll last me two weeks. So I try to buy fresh. I try to chop them up and freeze them as soon as I get them home. And I just, I, I think it fills me up better. It fuels me better. It makes me feel more energized when I'm eating like fresh things. And I know exactly what's in it, what's what I've prepared. So that's my preference. However, after so many questions and comments of how, why, and I could never, I think it's time to answer some of these concerns. The biggest being how I'm able to maintain my training and build muscle when I don't eat meat. I mean, where do I get my protein? That's my personal favorite. So let's talk about it. Okay. Think about the animal kingdom, okay? The great ape. Think about a rhino, rhinoceros. Think about an elephant. These are some of the strongest animals in the animal kingdom, and they're all herbivores. They're not malnourished. If you still think vegans have a hard time being fit and healthy, it's time for an update. I will leave some links down below in the description box for you to read about how vegans are smashing world records in endurance and weightlifting, winning bodybuilding competitions, and taking home UFC titles. Yep, this has been independently fact-checked, and the verdict is in. Muscles don't need meat. The question is not if you can improve muscle and performance on a vegan diet, but how. That's where I come in. Sports nutrition has a lot of complicated factors, but probably the most important is the post-workout meal. Basically, your workout is tearing up your muscle fibers so that when your body repairs them, they come back bigger and stronger. Here's how I like to explain it to a beginner. Imagine your muscles are like your skin. If you cut your skin, it repairs itself. But the skin that comes back is scar tissue, which is stronger and thicker. Now, imagine that you have to cut up your muscles so that scar tissue muscle can grow back. Not exactly the same thing, but it's a good explanation to provide a visual. So how do you repair what you tore up during your workout so that it can rebuild bigger and stronger? Rachel Berman, a registered dietitian and director of health content at about.com says, a mix of carbs to protein has been proven to be really efficient for replenishing amino acids and repairing the muscle that's been broken down during strength training. So during exercise, you use up your glycogen. Glycogen is the energy stored in your muscles. So after sweating it out, carbs will help to replenish this energy. 
and the protein enhances this process. But of course, it's not that simple or we could eat anything, right? Protein and carbs aren't all we need after a workout. Elizabeth Gerard, a dietitian who consults for my favorite plant-based supplement company, Vega, says, while exercise suppresses inflammation in the long run, the act of exercise damages your muscles, which can actually create inflammation. Sort of confusing, I know. That's why it's always a good idea to include foods that support inflammation reduction, like those rich in antioxidants and omega-3 fatty acids. But that said, you don't want too much fat in the post-workout meal because it'll slow your digestion. So carbs and a decent amount of protein, I shoot for around 20 grams with BCAAs, lots of antioxidants, and a little fat. We can do that. The next time you want to feed and replenish your muscles in a non-animal harming manner, here are a few ideas for post-workout meals I can recommend. Number one, soba noodles. These are a Japanese noodle made from buckwheat. Soba noodles are a complete protein. Pair them with teriyaki mushrooms for a rich, satisfying meaty dimension, as well as broccolini and chilies, which have anti-inflammatory properties. Number two is lentils. Lentils have about 2.2 grams of carbs for every gram of protein. Combine them with tomatoes and spinach for added vitamins and minerals for about 12 grams of protein per serving. Number three, steel cut oats. Steel cut oats are an awesome choice, but prep time, that is where the magic of a slow cooker comes in. Oh, how I love my slow cooker. Add a combo of cocoa powder for a powerful anti-inflammatory agent and cherries, which help reduce post-workout muscle soreness for a super yummy post-workout meal. Number four is chickpeas. Chickpeas have almost no fat, which makes them a great choice for refueling post-workout. Throw on some spinach and lime juice to provide vitamin C and help your body absorb the muscle-friendly iron in the chickpeas. Number five is Mexican quinoa. Mexican food is great in an animal-friendly diet regardless. I could probably eat Mexican food every day of my life. It's mostly beans, peppers, onions, and antioxidant-rich herbs. You just have to make sure you order it without cheese and make sure the beans and tortillas aren't prepared with lard. But when you skip the tortilla altogether and substitute quinoa, when combined with protein-rich black beans, you're doing even better. Number six is pea soup. Pea protein is quickly becoming a popular supplement for vegans and non-vegans alike due to its high levels of branched-chain amino acids or BCAAs. We've talked about the importance of these in previous posts. I'll see if I can link some information down below for that. Uh, branched-chain amino acids are like the building blocks of a protein. Pea soup is lactose and gluten-free, making it easy to digest and allergy-friendly. Throw in some antioxidant-rich asparagus, spinach, and or garlic, and bon appetit. Number seven is chia seeds. These tiny seeds are a complete protein, and although they may contain more fat than the ideal post-workout snack, about twice as much fat as there is protein, there's still a good choice. More than half of the fats are omega-3 fatty acids, which make them a terrific anti-inflammatory food. 
try mixing them with hummus, sunflower seeds, avocado, and tomatoes in a sandwich to give your PB&J a rest for one day. Number eight is a green smoothie, my personal go-to. What post-workout meal is complete without a protein shake? Smoothies are a really easy way to cram a ton of foods with different health benefits into something easy and great on the go. When you include ingredients like apple, ginger, which has anti-inflammatory properties, calcium-rich kale and parsley, it helps with fat loss and boosting muscle-building testosterone. It's tough to nail down an exact macronutrient ratio for a shake since it depends largely on the kind of protein powder you use. So it's worth experimenting with different recipes to find your favorite combo. I like to shoot for a plant-based protein, one with BCAAs and add some apple cider vinegar. Usually I will try to put in some kind of vegetable for fiber or add some extra fiber in there just because fiber is so important to your gut health. And honestly, we don't get enough of it. Smoothies. Yes, I do like three smoothies a day. Since I do intermittent fasting, I like to have something to kind of keep me going in between my actual meals. Okay. Next on the list, number nine, edamame. Edamame are those soybeans that you eat before sushi. The one caveat to edamame and soybeans are that it's nearly impossible to find soybeans that are not GMO. So if you don't know what GMOs are, that's like genetically modified organisms. They, <laughs> nobody really knows what they are, but they like are made in the same facility as like weapons of mass destruction, chemical warfare, you know, they're made by Monsanto's. I personally, this is not my favorite soybeans. I, I try to stay away from soybeans just because I try to stay away from anything that's GMO. But if you don't have a problem with GMOs, these are about equal parts protein and carbs. So you can create a salad with a vibrant combination of broccoli, peas, and raisins with your edamame for a satisfying yet light meal. Last but not least is black bean chili or any kind of bean chili, vegetarian chili, bean chili, okay? It doesn't have to be black beans. My favorite is pinto beans. I like to use pinto beans in my chili. No meat does not equal no chili. Black beans, however, black beans have fewer than three grams of carbs for every gram of protein, which just means that you have a license to indulge by adding something warm and comforting like sweet potato into the chili. Yum. Okay. These are just a few suggestions to hopefully help you realize that it is possible to train hard and build muscle, strength, and endurance on a vegan diet. Of course, there are many, many more options, and it gets easier when you've had some practice experimenting with what works for you. Some people prefer a higher protein content than carbs or vice versa. You have to find out what works for your individual body, but this is a decent starting point. You have to break up your protein in equal portions throughout the day so that it's equally feeding your muscles. Otherwise, it just your body just gets rid of it through its normal waste process. A good rule of thumb is to take your body weight and divide that by four if you're going to eat four meals a day. And then each protein serving would have that prorated amount of protein per grams of body weight. 
Does that make sense? Hopefully that makes sense. You have to do what's best for your body and only, you know, what's best for your body, but this, this can help you get started. Here are some other plant-based sources of protein, peanut butter, lentils, almonds, quinoa, almond milk, maybe oat milk, oatmeal, walnuts, bean sprouts, pasta, sunflower seeds, avocados, peas, chia, tempa, hemp seeds, brown rice, black-eyed peas, green beans, spinach, broccoli, black beans, cashews, flax. Yeah, flax. Flax oil is also high in omegas. Whole wheat bread. Yeah, that has protein in it. Tofu, eh, soy again, pinto beans, yes, almond butter, peanuts, kale, chickpeas, kidney beans, edamame, cauliflower, pistachios, Brussels sprouts, lima beans, pecans, macadamia nuts, collard greens, the list goes on and on and on. Plants have all the protein that you need with none of the violence, none of the cruelty, none of the killing, none of the negative impacts to our planet, none of the greenhouse gases, none of the carbon emissions. Okay. Not that I'm like on the woke bandwagon. You guys, uh, if you follow me for a while, you know that I'm not really into all that, like cancel culture and wokeness and all of that. But this is something that I found works best for my body. There is a book called eat right for your blood type. And it talks about the different blood types and what they, what they need. So I'm type A type A's can go without meat the easiest. Type O's, I think they do need red meat, but you you can always supplement. So there's ways around everything, but definitely do what's best for your body. I'm not saying that everyone has to go vegan. I never would say that. I would never say that there's a one-size-fits-all approach for anyone. You know your body best. So if you know that your body needs red meat, then by all means, if you can get you know, farm raised, not mass farm, not mass slaughterhouse, but from a, you know, local family farm that isn't using antibiotics, isn't using steroids, isn't using all of that stuff that's making you sick. That would be the best way to get your beef. Also, I touched on this in my new year's resolution post. I think I posted it in February. The thing is with this ascension process of the planet, there is more light coming into the planet and our bodies are trying to match that vibration. So if you're feeling sort of like this heaviness, a lot of people are feeling like this fatigue. And what that is, is your body is trying to get rid of all of that heaviness, all of that denseness and become more light. So that's how our bodies are evolving with the planet. So as our bodies evolve to be more light, we need to eat foods that have more light in them. So plants are obviously the easiest, you know, through photosynthesis, plants take in sunlight and they transmute that into energy. So the, tr the plants are holding the most light. You are what you eat. And if you eat foods with the most light in them, it helps your body to ascend to be more light and shed that density, which is what it naturally is wanting to do right now. So the things that are like the very dense foods, like processed foods, like meat, those things that just sit in your gut, they're not going to sit very well anymore because your body is evolving. You can try to fight it, but ultimately the easiest thing to do is try to alleviate some of the density from your diet. Beef has 6.4 grams of protein per 100 calories. Broccoli has 11.1 .1 grams of protein per 100 calories. So if you're looking for like a gram 
by gram comparison, broccoli per gram actually has more protein than beef. Broccoli per calorie has more protein than beef. You don't need meat to get protein. Okay. So I'm, I'm done having that conversation. Nobody else better ever ask me how I get my protein ever again. Okay. <laughs> All right. Glad we talked about that. In fact, do you want to know what the number one plant-based source of protein per 100 grams of weight is? My first guess was almonds, but that's incorrect. Pumpkin seeds. I know, right? Your mind is blown. I keep these things in a container in my glove compartment in my car and snack whenever I'm hungry or stuck in traffic, which is every day in Atlanta. <laughs> so actually in Atlanta, there is no traffic or no traffic. It's traffic or bad traffic. Those are your only two options. But I will put this chart up here to help you gauge which protein-rich ingredients to add to your shopping list, a lot of which are snacks you can keep handy when it's not really feasible to make an entire meal. Obviously, pumpkin seeds, like I said, are the number one plant-based source of protein per 100 grams in weight. Next being peanut butter, you have hemp seeds, almonds, pistachios, flax seeds, tofu, oats, chia seeds, hazelnuts, walnuts, all, the, all of these things, garbanzo beans, macadamia nuts, green peas, kidney beans, quinoa, brown rice, potato. So it actually tells you per 100 grams in weight, how much protein is in each thing. Go ahead and take a snapshot of this if you want. Feel free to drop me a comment. Let me know if there's any questions you've wrestled with when contemplating cutting back on animal products. Other than that, if you like this video, please subscribe and check out my website at secretwins.com. Also, don't forget to check out Secret Wins on Facebook and Instagram. I am constantly posting good information there as well. I love hearing from y'all, so drop me a comment if you have questions and let me know if there's a topic you'd like me to discuss. Okay, much love. Namaste.